Welcome to the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Seta. Today's episode is the second installment from a pair of interviews recorded during the Lightforce Future Meeting in San Diego. Since October is upon us and Halloween is lurking around the corner, we've brewed up a spirited and enchanting podcast for you. That's right, prepare for a thriller of an episode. And stay tuned as our guests drop some rhymes backed by the Illuminate House Band, featuring our very own Skylar on drums, Tom on the Rhodes, and yours truly on bass guitar. Before we dive in, there's another reason to celebrate. This marks our 30th podcast here at Illuminate. While it may appear to be a minor milestone, every Illuminate interview has been recorded in person for the most candid and compelling conversations and studio quality sound. I'd like to extend my heartfelt gratitude to all of you for your unwavering support of Illuminate over the past three years. And now, without further ado, we're on... To today's episode. We are all going through our own journeys and our own stories are being created, but we need to share our knowledge, not only with our cases, but with our personal lives, because you can't bottle everything in because it'll manifest in our bodies a different way. And we have to only bring positive energy into our lives to be able to give positive energy back to our patients and our families. I'm Dr. Chris Seta, and I'm shining a light on the innovators of our profession. Welcome to the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. On today's show, my guest is Dr. Sheldon Salins. Today, I'm thrilled to shine a light on an innovator who, if you know him, you love him. That's because Dr. Sheldon Salins, known for his warm smile and signature bow tie, was gifted with a magnetic personality. Sheldon is a self-proclaimed and unabashed tooth nerd who's not only incredibly humble and real, but also funny, charismatic, optimistic, and a great listener. In fact, Sheldon's authenticity shines through in every aspect of his life. These qualities have not only endeared him to others, but have also been the driving force behind his success in a highly competitive market. As you'll hear on today's episode, Sheldon grew up in an Indian household outside of Miami, Florida. Despite early academic challenges, Sheldon discovered his passion for dentistry and embarked on a cross-country educational adventure, settling in the San Francisco Bay Area of California. Join us as we explore how Sheldon's magnetic personality has not only served him well on his journey to success, but also inspires others along a similar path. Well, welcome to the podcast, Sheldon. How are you today? Great. Thank you for having me, brother. I am thrilled to have you on. Finally, we've talked about this for a while. For a while. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting podcast. I can't wait. We're just going to hang out just like we normally do and let our conversations go. With exactly. The flow. 
<laughs> Hope you all enjoy it. Why don't you tell everyone where we're at? So we are at the Life Force Future 2023 meeting in, it's supposed to be sunny San Diego, but I haven't seen much sun. No, it's been sort of cloudy. We had some rain. Yeah. Cloudy San Diego. Cloudy San Diego. <laughs> done. And we're just finishing up day two. I just gave my lecture, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about in a quick second. So I'm amped and psyched and ready to do this with you. Well, why don't you tell everyone what we're drinking? You know, we always have to have something classy when Seta's around. So we're drinking <laughs> uh, Clase Azul uh, Añejo. Oh, the Añejo. Yes. yes. This yes. is delicious. I, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I feel like this is sort of like a sequel to the Maz podcast as we're going with the Clase Azul. We're trying to be like him and keep it classy, but we had a little spin to it. So I yeah. always have to do it better. That's <laughs> too funny. Well, Maz taught us all that tequila is supposedly a stimulant, so... Hopefully we have a stimulating conversation for you today. We have some great things we're going to dive into here in a moment. We're going to talk about your journey into practice ownership. We're going to be talking a little bit about Light Force, of course. We're going to talk about travel and some fun stuff. And we're going to talk about your signature bow tie and what that's all about. So can't wait to dive into this stuff. But before we do, I have to mention your talk today. I have branded it the funniest ortho talk ever. It was so good. Why don't you tell everyone what that was about? So I'm always trying to reinvent myself and kind of put the FU in fun. And so at this meeting, you know, I don't want it to just be talking about how amazing Life Force is. I also want to bring the energy because with this new technology that's come and revolutionized the way that we practice, it's also freed up time, given us mental energy, gotten us the results that we want, how to do amazing things for our practice, our patients, our team members. And so I just wanted to kind of share my excitement, if you may, of what Life Force has done with the group here that's learning uh-huh. and listening. And I hope that came across that way. <laughs> I think you did. Yeah. I think you did. In fact, we have an Illuminate exclusive here. I think we should give them a little taste okay. of what went down. All right, let's do what it. What do you say? Let's do it. Okay. All right, Skylar, give me some drums, man. Tom, I want to hear some roads on this one. I'm going to drop my bass. Here we go. Said hip hop, the hippie, the hippie to the hip hip hop, and you don't stop the rocket to the bang bang boogie. Say up, jump the boogie to the rhythm of the boogie beat. Right, what you hear is not a test. I'm rapping to the beat, and me, the groove, and life force are gonna try to move your team. See, I am Wanda Shell, and I'd like to say hello, hello to the near, the far, the young, and the old, and those who like yellow. But first, I gotta. Bang, bang, the boogie to the boogie, say up, jump, the boogie to the bang, bang, boogie, let's rock, let's not stop, rockin' life force will make your office rock. Well, so far, you heard my voice, but I bought a few friends along, and on the last slide was my girl, Cat Cat, to help me write this song, check it out, I'm the S-H-E-L, the D-O-N, and you know I'm just real fly, you see I go by the code of the doctor of the teeth, and these reasons I'll tell you why, see I'm number one, and I'm tons of fun, and I dress to a T, See, I got more bows than Alfred G, and I dress so viciously. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, brother. So good. So tell me, man, did you write those lyrics or did you chat GBT them? You know, when I first came out with the presentation, somebody was telling me that I should chat GBT, but I couldn't get chat GBT to flow with the rhythm and the sound of the song the way I wanted it to. And ChatGPT, I originally started, but no, those are the original OG lyrics. I just want to know, like, how this idea started in your mind. 
Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, in my office, bro, when you come into and visit, we are always playing hip hop music in the background, but old school hip hop, like 80s and 90s hip hop and 80s and 90s freestyle music. And, you know, one day I just got inspired and I was like, I need to do something different. I want to get the crowd going. <laughs> You've been in lectures with me before yeah. and we try to rile up the crowd and get them excited. And so it's just something different. It was a leap of faith. I'm glad. Hopefully it worked out. It really landed well. well. It totally did. Awesome. Enough shenanigans here. We are actually going to dive a little bit into your story. I know you grew up in South Florida. So tell us what it was like growing up in Florida. Florida was a great time. I have two younger brothers. We grew up in Fort Lauderdale, and it was a great time out there, sun and sand and the beach. We rode our bikes around and goofed around just like most, you know, teenage boys do. Fought and played football in the front yard and just enjoyed a lot of the Florida sun. Were there a lot of Indian families in South Florida? So there are a lot of Indian families in South Florida, but Indian families are broken up kind of a lot by their geography region in India. Mm-hmm. So you'll have Gujaratis that'll hang out and they'll all kind of group together because they share the same food, they share the same language, they share the same culture. You'll have Punjabi people that'll hang out and then you have South Indians. So my parents are from a small part of India called Udupi, which the city near it would be Bangalore. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a small group of people that were from Udpi in South Florida. And, you know, in my culture, we're always compared against each other. And there mm-hmm. were two other boys that grew up with me in our community that, you know, I was always compared against because I was never a good high school student. I just wanted to hang out. I wanted to have a good time. I just want to be friends with everybody. And there was one kid who ended up being the valedictorian of our class in high school and went to Boyd Anderson High School. And then I actually shifted, went back to Coral Springs High School because I didn't do so hot at Boyd Anderson. And the guy who graduated valedictorian of Boyd Anderson was one of the Indian boys in our community. And at the same time, this is 1996. In 1995, the University of Miami had come out with their six-year med program. Hmm. And only like four people in the country got into that program. And my friend Ummer, the guy who I was always compared to, got into that program second year. And so my parents were like, why didn't you get into that program? And this is a great story. And the other Indian kid had graduated, I think, the year before us in 1995 or maybe 94. And he had the highest GPA in all of Miami-Dade County at that time. And is now the current Surgeon General of the United States. What? Uh, Vivek Morthy. <laughs> so I'm compared against, you know, my friend Umar, who got into the six-year med program in its second year of existence at the University of Miami and the current Surgeon General of the United States. You know, I have a serious question. I know Indian families can be sort of strict, right, mm-hmm. in terms of, like, wanting their children really to excel and, you know, maybe become a, a doctor or a lawyer, you know, was there a lot of pressure that maybe you weren't the best student and more of, you know, trying to make friends with everybody and be popular? So my dad was a really good student and he was from a small village in India, Udupi, and his dad was a preacher, so they didn't have much money growing up. His big dream was to try to come to the United States. When you were poor and back in the 70s, you couldn't come directly to the U.S. from India. Hmm. So a lot of people would go to Canada. And so he went to Montreal, which is where I was born to do his master's and his PhD at McGill. And then he was so sick and tired of the cold weather there. When he opened up a map, he was like, I'm going to the warmest place in the United States, which ended up being in Miami. <laughs> no way. But my parents, I think they wanted to put pressure on us, but I think that they realized they put too much pressure on us and we were going the opposite direction. Mm. That, you know, when I got into college, they kind of just said, whatever. You know, when I got in the USF, they were like, just do whatever you have to do. 
we're not gonna uh, hover over you. Yeah. And so when they kind of let their reins go, I just took off. Like I loved school all of a sudden, and it was cool to study, and it was cool to be the nerd and be the guy that everybody wanted to study with, so they could do well on exams and stuff. So. Oh, that's great. So yeah. I believe you went to Tampa Bay, right, for school? I went to the University of South Florida. I spent four years there. Had an amazing time. That's where you're from. Oh yeah. You know, that's where you're living right now. Mm-hmm. And had a blast. Go Bulls. I was there for four years, and then when you opened up a map, you could live all over the country. And, you know, I was young, and I was like, I still want to explore where life and the world has to take me. So I was like, I need to get out of Florida, because a lot of my friends, I noticed when they went to grad school in Florida, they stayed in Florida. And I didn't want to stay in Florida. I kind of wanted to live and experience life all around the country, if not the world. When we come back, in just a moment... How Sheldon eventually goes on a cross-country adventure. We get the story behind his trademark bow ties and Sheldon's secrets for getting online reviews to grow his practice. Stay with us. You're listening to the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. Kind support for this podcast comes from 3M Oral Care. Streamline your workflow and bond an entire arch of pre-coated brackets at once with the 3M Digital Bonding System. Design truly customized treatment plans with digital bonding and increase your clinical efficiency through the product's fast indirect bonding, accurate bracket placement, unnecessary need for segmenting the tray, and no flash to remove with 3M APC flash-free brackets. To explore how you can experience the future of custom bonding, visit 3M.com slash digital bonding. Welcome back to our conversation with Dr. Sheldon Salins. So did well in college, well enough to get into dental school at Harvard. Well enough, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was in Boston for four years and had an absolute phenomenal time there. If you asked me in Boston, where did I see myself ending up? I didn't have a clue. I thought maybe New York or I thought maybe Chicago or maybe Texas. And there were 20% of the class, because the medical and dental school were combined for the first two years, 20% of the class knew where they were going to go when they were done with their school. And those 20% was from California, you know, and they're like, I'm going back to Cali. I'm going back to Cali. So I'm like, okay, let me check out this place called California. And four years in Boston were phenomenal. Loved it. Hated the winter because I grew up in Miami. And so I was like, I need warm weather or at least decent weather. I matched at UCLA in 2004, and then I was living in Los Angeles from 2004 to 2007. Do you think that, I know you're a big fan of like old school hip hop and rap and, you know, obviously West Coast rap and California love. And I mean, do you think subconsciously that had an influence? It could be. It could be like, you know, Dr. Dre and Easy e Remember that one Saved by the Bell episode where Zach can kind of put subliminal messages into the tape that I he made that. Tiffany yeah. uh, Kelly Kapowski? They might have done that. And that's why California <laughs> population has grown so much is because of the subliminal messages. <laughs> Too funny. Yeah. So, yeah, talk to me about L.A. L.A. was a great time. You know, I was young and I was enjoying life. And I, on Friendster, I don't know if you've ever heard of Friendster. Before Facebook, there was MySpace. Before yeah. MySpace, there was Friendster. And Friendster was the original social media, social networking site. 
I was on there one day and I saw a really attractive picture of a female. And I was like, let me just Did send you know? her. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, let me just send this lady a message. And I sent her a message and then I didn't get any messages for two weeks. It was fine. You know, nothing to cry about. But then all of a sudden, two weeks later, I get a message from my inbox from this girl and we just started communicating over email. And then the next week we started talking on the phone. There was this spark and energy and we just hit it off. And then that girl that I talked to back then in 2005 is now my wife. Oh, that's awesome. And so Natasha and I, we did a three year long distance relationship. I graduated from UCLA in 2007, and then I worked as an associate in LA. I was blessed with some amazing mentors. There's a Dr. Gib Snow that's out in Palmdale, which is about, you know, a little bit north of LA. And then there's a really great Dr. David Alpan, who practices in Los Angeles as well. And I got linked up with them, and I was blessed to be linked up with them because they taught me everything about the business side of orthodontics, the stuff you need to know, but you don't learn in residency. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking today with the digital workflow and a lot of doctors not needing associates, will, you know, associates of the future just be running their own office? And are they missing out on that mentoring opportunity? Because I worked for several great doctors early on in my career, and I learned so much from them. So I'm curious, you were saying how valuable that experience was to you, if the new generation will have that I don't know. I don't know what the new generation's goals in terms of practice ownership is. You know, true. you don't hear too many, at least in Northern California, you don't hear too many new grads or people opening up shop in the Bay Area. It could be the cost of living, but across the board, you don't really hear of people opening up an office from scratch. And so I'm curious, you know, I'm what, 2007, I'm, you know, 15 years out of school. So I'm kind of out of touch with that group that's graduating now in that mindset. So how'd you end up in San Francisco? So 2008, I'm working as an associate in LA and I couldn't find work in New York. My wife was living in New York. She's a compliance attorney. And 2008, something's going on in the economy. Nobody really knows what's going to happen, but no orthodontist is hiring. You know, I found one gig in the Bronx and it was kind of like hole in the wally and I, you know, it was tough for me to get to. And it was like two days a month. But that was all I could find. So I decided to stay out in California and kind of continue working because I was working five, six days a week between Dr. Snow and Dr. Alpan and then the Western Dental there. And Western Dental is a great experience because you learn how not to treat people in your practice. I've had certain offices where, yes, I feel like I've learned more uh, what not to do, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so you take everything as a learning experience and go in eyes wide open. So, and everybody was like, would you work at Western Dental? And I said, absolutely, because you learn what not to do in your practice, right? And then I was out there and then I met an orthodontist out in the Bay Area who was looking to transition his practice. He has a low functioning autistic son and he wanted to spend more time with his son. So we met and synced up. And then in August of 2008, we transitioned and I took over his office and... Little did I know the next month that the economy would take a dive. And I didn't realize that I had no business acumen in terms of global world finance, anything. I was just stuck in my little world. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I need to grow this thing. I need to grow this puppy. But I just basically put a lot of TLC into the office that the patients needed and wanted. And, you know, the economy was down back in 2008. And so people weren't getting referrals from general dentists to come see the orthodontist. But... People kind of shied away because they didn't know what was happening with their jobs. This is when Yelp started taking off and Google reviews started taking off. People just started writing authentic reviews saying, hey, there's a really great, fun-loving orthodontist that really cares. And 
We have a great time in his office and they would write all these reviews. So what ended up happening was in 2009 and 2010, when the economy started getting out of that hole that it was in, people finally were getting jobs and they were a little bit older. And so, you know, they were getting insurance. And so they wanted to go get orthodontic treatment done, braces, Invisalign, whatever it might be. And so they would go online and they would read the reviews about different orthodontists around the area. And I encouraged my patients to write reviews and share their story because I'm not I don't want anything scripted. I want them to share their personal story, good or bad, you know, with the world to kind of share. Or these people would look online and then they would find me and then they would want the same experience, a fun, loving environment where we get great results. And that helped my office grow tremendously during the down economy. So, you know, young residents that are looking or young practice owners that have just transitioned an office, build that moat around your office and get those Google reviews and those Yelp reviews because you're not doing it to boost your ego. And I talk about this at entrepreneurs meetings. You're doing it because you are going to upset somebody, either consciously or unconsciously. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what's going on in that mom's life at that moment in time. Maybe she has a sick parent. Maybe she just was rubbed the wrong way by your front desk. Maybe she just got cut off on the road on her way to your office while she was racing to make sure she gets that 415 appointment on time so she can take her kid from your office to soccer. And, you know, moms and dads are busy these days. So you don't know that she's going to go online and write a scathing review about your office. So you need to protect yourself from the one parent or patient you will upset. It's not even if anymore, it will upset. And it may not even be necessarily something that you said, but maybe something went awry with the team or how a phone call was answered. You don't know what that person is going through at that moment in time, which everybody's got their own story, right? And he or she might just not be having a great day and you rubbed them the wrong way or your team member rubbed them the wrong way or whatever it might be. So you got to protect your office, but get those online reviews up. Yeah, so Sheldon, let me ask you this. Like, what are some tips for asking for reviews because most times they don't come unsolicited, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it'd be great if they did, but people are so busy and they get so many surveys and forms to complete now. I don't think people are really going out of their way on their own volition to fill out a review. So do you have like a go-to? So I've realized that you need to make things as easy as possible for people for them to do anything. Okay. So in the office, we have QR codes at chairside. That if I feel like a patient's having a good day or a good experience in the office or a mom's like having a great experience, D-bonds are fantastic about it. Retainer deliveries are fantastic about it. I'll say, hey, mom and dad or patient, do you mind, you know, scanning this QR code and writing a blurb about the office? It would really mean a lot to me if you share your experience in the office with the world. Sounds great. Nine times out of 10 people will write the review. There might be one that's just super busy or, you know, we'll do it at a later time. But So you're the one asking, not necessarily your team. You know, I've talked about this with some of my different colleagues out there. I'm the one asking because you know what? At the end of the day, it's my name on the wall. I'm responsible for the experience that that patient had through the office. I'm responsible for the result. And so I think it's just like a little icing on the cake to say, hey, do you mind writing us a review? Like my team can do it, but they're really shy about it. And I've tried to incentivize the team to get our online reviews up, but it's just not important to them. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that was a great tip. Now, um, you mentioned your bow tie earlier. Is that a signature look you did in residency or did that just uh, start in practice? So it started in practice. You know, nobody on the West Coast really dresses up. I know dressing up, suit and tie, button down shirt is a very East Coast thing, very New York thing. But I always like the look. If I'm wearing jeans and a T-shirt, I look like I'm 15 years old. So I would dress up, but I don't like wearing white coats. Never have really worn white coats in my office. But I like the tie or I like the neckwear. 
But with a tie, what happens is when you're hovering over a patient, if you don't have a tie clip, the tie is falling in the patient's face. Right. I lose tie clips all the time. Like I have probably <laughs> 20 and I toss them, I lose them, I don't bring them. And so I still wanted something to, you know, make me look professional and have, you know, neckwear. But I wanted something that didn't fall into the patient's face. And so 2008 or 2009, I had gone to a dermatologist and it was this old, like super cute guy who kind of like straddles into the office and he's wearing a bow tie and we hit it off. And I was like, wow, this is my next gig. Uh And also to kind of back off that in 2011, I had my son. And in 2011, my son would grab my glasses. I used to wear eyewear. And back then in 2008, 2009, and I just bought my office, I looked really young and all the patients and new patients would come in and they'd ask my treatment coordinator, does he know what he's doing? Like he looks like he's a patient, right? And so in 2011, I had my son and he would grab onto my glasses like he was holding on for dear life. And so I was afraid that, you know, he was going to break my glasses. And so I ended up getting um, LASIK surgery. Oh, is that right? I got rid of my glasses, but then I also felt like I lost my charm, right? <laughs> I felt like people, I lost that young look. I used to go in and say, oh, you remember Doogie Howser? I don't know if many of your listeners will <laughs> oh, remember Doogie. Doogie. Yeah. yeah. The treatment coordinator would say, remember Doogie Howser? And they'd be like, yeah, I'd be like, that's like Dr. Salins, but don't let him know that they said that, you know? <laughs> and then the patients would be like, oh, they'd be super excited. And so I stopped wearing these glasses from the LASIK surgery I had. And then I was trying to look for my next thing. And then I couldn't wear the regular ties because I would forget my tie clip. And then I ventured off into bow ties and bow ties stuck. Uh, the weirdest thing, it stuck. Fun fact. So my dad was an ophthalmologist before he retired. In the last 10 years of his career, he switched over to bow ties. So he has a whole collection too. Mm-hmm. So that was sort of his look. But I'd love for you to give a quick shout out to your bow tie brothers because there's a couple in ortho, right? Kerwin Mackett wears a bow tie. Ruse, yeah, yeah Ruse, Ruse wears a bow tie. I've seen him yeah, sporting you know, it. He does a really good job with the bow tie. Who else do you know that wears a bow tie? Uh, Bill Lehman, I think, went through a bow tie phase. He okay. told me he's maybe transitioning out of the bow tie. Okay. But Can't lose the bow tie, bro. It's, it, you got to keep doing it. Are any of yours clip on? Bro, and that's like a slap in my face. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Is this podcast over? <laughs> <laughs> we need to be done. Mic drop. I do have some because my mom, as sweet as she is, she keeps sending me bow ties that she finds on Amazon for like $3, $4. And so she adds them. So those are ready-made clip-on bow ties. Yeah. But no, a real man ties his own bow tie. I've done a few. I mean, it's usually related to maybe like a wedding or a black tie event. But I always have to go on YouTube to like remember how to do it. And it's not easy to tie a bow tie. But it's like tying a shoelace. Once you get used to it, it's like second nature. I could do it with my clothes. So how quickly can you do a bow tie? Probably 20 seconds if I had to. 20 seconds? uh, Yeah. You know, it's like tying a shoelace. And how many do you have? Um, I probably have 150. 150. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. When we come back in just a moment, we'll uncover what prompted Sheldon to get involved with Light Force. And he shares a heartwarming story about his family that you won't want to miss. Stay with us. You're listening to the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. Kind support for this podcast comes from Dental Monitoring. Are you looking for remote monitoring to optimize your schedule so you have more time to market and grow your orthodontic practice? Are emergency appointments a source of stress for you and your team? Would automatic notifications based on 130-plus intraoral observations help you keep treatment on schedule? Well, dental monitoring is the solution. DM is an AI-driven remote monitoring technology that gives you the information to streamline your workflow and improve the quality of care. 
Your patients will love the convenience of dental monitoring and the easy in-app communication helps elevate their experience. To learn more about using DM in your practice, head over to dentalmonitoring.com slash pod. And we're back to our conversation with Dr. Sheldon Salins. So Sheldon, I want to circle back a little bit. You were talking about growing your practice through social media. And uh, we did just take a tequila break to go get another uh, tequila. I want to mention a story because you met a guy there, Dr. Ryan Pendleton. And in a matter of minutes, this was so amazing to me. You sort of learned his whole life story. And you used a word before that I found very interesting. You described a magnetic personality, which I think you have. And I think of others like Chris Feldman. I worked for the late Dr. Randy Feldman, who sort of had that personality. Obviously, it's something you're gifted with. But I mean, is there like thought that goes into it? No, bro. I just love learning about people's life stories. Everybody has their own life story. They have their own stuff going on in their life. They have their own special past that's made them who they are. And people love talking about themselves outside of me and this podcast, but people love talking (laughs) about themselves. And so it's just a matter of asking questions to get enough information for them to feel important and want to share their story. There's some people that don't want to share their story and they give off the body vibes that you stop asking. But then a lot of people just love sharing and talking about themselves. And it's just, you got to lend an ear to somebody and then they'll just open up. You ask certain questions and they just open up and it's been a beautiful thing. I went into ortho because I love teeth and I love medicine and I love art and science of dentistry. But I went into ortho because with my undiagnosed ADD, I can talk to as many people and have a million conversations and satiate my soul and my personality (laughs) that way. You know, you mentioned asking people questions. I mean, it's so authentic, right? Were you always this way, like even as a young kid? Yeah. So just like very curious. I would talk to everybody. Like it's tough to go from point A to point B without me talking to 15 people. Oh, even just coming back from the bar, we talked to just about everyone. It took 20 minutes to come back. To the <laughs> so does your wife get annoyed about that? Yeah, that's why she doesn't ever come to any meetings. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't ever really go anywhere with her because she just knows I'm going to end up talking to 15 people. Oh, man. Yeah. Too funny. So, Sheldon, uh, I was listening to uh, your podcast with Glenn Krieger. Great job, by the way. But you called yourself the world's worst bracket placer. I don't think you really deserve that title. You haven't (laughs) seen my non-life force cases and how long those guys are in treatment. So, I don't know. You have to come visit to see. (laughs) So, we are at the life force meeting. So, when did you start using the product? I started using the product back in 2019. Uh, You know, we're always analyzing our finishes. We're always analyzing our patient experiences. But once a system is in place, how often do you ever go back and analyze that system? What happened in my office was, you know, I did what everybody did. I did clear upper, metal lower braces, and I would do upper four to four clear and then the lower six to six metal and upper fives and sixes would be metal. But in the Bay Area, we have a large patient population that has very large buckle prominences on their canines. So a lot of Asian population, the Hispanic population, Native Americans and Alaskan Eskimos just have very large buckle prominence on their cuspids. So what I was analyzing was the largest number of emergencies that I was having in my office back in the days was the upper cuspids were coming off on adults. Now, adults are busy. The last thing they want to do is drive back to your office on a busy day with their busy schedule to try to get a bracket glued back on. You know, on a clear bracket, and I've used every clear bracket on the market that was out there, the toughest thing was getting that flat base to adapt to the buckle prominence for good retention. 
And so after the second time, it would come off. And it came off the second time more than once, more than twice, more than 10, <laughs> 15 times. I would put a metal bracket on. So now I'm two to two clear. I'm fours clear. But the upper threes are metal. Well, that's and, certainly a look. I'm an aesthetic <laughs> orthodontist. You know, what can I say? That's how I market myself. But it was a terrible look, right? <laughs> Because people are afraid to smile and, you know, you have, you're getting these... Cord- Did anyone push back on that? No. I would tell them, hey, your teeth are too big. You have these big fat teeth and, I, <laughs> and my skinny brackets are not staying on your oh, teeth. Only you could get away with that. It's the bow tie. You know, <laughs> they just look at the bow tie. And so at the same exact time, I had an amazing associate that worked with me, Stephanie Ting, who was a graduate from Harvard. And she had told me, hey, my big sip at Harvard is trying to make a bracket that color matched to the tooth. And I said, if I can get my hands on that, then I need to bring that to my office. Interesting. Yeah. And so bringing Life Force into my office was a confluence of different energies that came at the same exact time. And Life Force fulfilled a huge need and void that I was having in my practice as I was analyzing all my systems. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So I loved your talk today. And it was interesting how you came about to speak at this thing, because apparently you gave some feedback to Alfred G, right, about, <laughs> Alfred about G. last year's Life Force Future. You know, I'm not shy. If I'm going to spend time away from my family and try to learn as much as I can, I want to learn as much as I can to incorporate bringing all these different technologies into my office. You know, there's some amazing dynamic speakers. I'll do a quick recap of the lecture. The first reason that people get asked to speak at big meetings is, you know, they're early adapters and they want to help innovate the product and bring it to life. Mm-hmm. And you have amazing Life Force um, leaders like Alex Waldman and Blake Davis and Jason Shu that are paving the way and like making the Life Force product so much better for the patient and for the offices. So the second reason would be the ability to scale that product in your office. So you have amazing leaders in Lightforce like Jackie Sheik and Eric Sachs out in Jersey that are showing you that great results are reproduced really well and it can be applied on a mass scale. Mm -hmm. And then you have that angry orthodontist in the back of the room that spent (laughs) two days in lecture. Is that you, Sheldon? That was me, bro. And I spent two days in lecture in Boston at Life Force 2022. And I told Alfred, bro, your meeting needs some work. He didn't even skip a beat. And he goes, you need to help us make it better. And he goes, why, of course. And I told him, I spent two and a half days here and all I saw were... Two and a half cases of, you know, hey, Life Force works. You need to use it in your practice. You know, I thought Life Force Future last year was a good meeting, but they were spending a lot of time on like, why go digital? Why use Life Force? It's like, hey, we already drank the Kool Aid. Yeah. Like, tell us how to make some different flavors of Kool Aid yes. at this point. So you're thinking exactly the way I did. Yeah. And so I told Alfred that. I said, bro, I want to use Life Force. I don't want to know how I need to go all in. I want to know how I can adapt it to the different personalities and patient population in my office. I'm a tooth nerd. Show me teeth. So, <laughs> me too. Yeah. And so he said, you know, you help us make it better. I said, "Uh, okay, let's do it. And that's how I got asked to be on stage. To To deliver a rap song like an MC. (laughs) But I wanted to be something that people listen to, right? It was the second day morning. Everybody's gone out and had a great time connected the night before. You know, straggling into the auditorium this morning, you needed to pump some energy into that room. Oh, and you did a great job. And you showed some great cases. You had a class two deep bite patient. I forget how long exactly she was in treatment. 14 months. 14 months and how many appointments? Uh, It was eight appointments. Eight appointments. And it was a really nice case. And you traced a Ceph and you showed a trace Ceph. They didn't trace Cephs last year and we're tooth nerds, right? I I want to see how the teeth moved in the bone, right? So yeah. I I thought it was really cool that you did that. I'm glad you saw that because I know I raced through those slides really quick this morning. (laughs) You're like, and the tricep. I'm like, let me get to my song. Hip hop, hippity, hippity. hippity." (laughs) Oh, Sheldon. 
We are going to wrap it up here soon. Before we do, I was listening to an oldie but goodie Lance Miller podcast, one you did probably back in, I don't know, 2017, 2018, back then. And you were telling this great story about your son. So I put my kids to bed every night and I lay there with my son. With my daughter, we just go through um, Duolingo and we do Wordle. And she's only eight years old and she just loves every bit of it. Daddy's little girl. With my son, I would always have to tell him a bedtime story. And, you know, I would read him a book, but then he always say, Dad, tell me a story. And so I had these fictional characters made up. It was this cow and it was a squirrel that would always save the world. So what happened was in this story, the cow and the squirrel were saving the world from the evil Queen Coco. Because that's my daughter's name is Coco. (laughs) And so what they needed to do, they were at the Big Ben and they were fighting at the Big Ben. And evil Queen Coco put a force field around the world. And for the signal to break the force field, you had to go connect your computer to the biggest antenna in the world. And so what happened was Queen Coco had turned the London Eye, which is right near the Big Ben, into a vortex. And it pulled the squirrel and the cow into Paris. And all of a sudden, the squirrel and the cow connect their computer to the Eiffel Tower, which is the biggest antenna in the world, broke the force field and saved the world. My son was like, Dad, I want to go see Big Ben and the Eiffel Tower. And I remember it was 2015 or 2016. And my son said, hey, Dad, I want to go see the Eiffel Tower and I want to go see Big Ben. And I was busy in my office. You know, I'm one of those orthodontists that work five days a week. And so I was like, oh, Nathan, you know, we can't. We have to plan it out. It's a big endeavor. You know, we need more time to plan it out. And I walked downstairs after putting my son to sleep. And I was so sad. And I told my wife and she was like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, oh, you know, I told Nathan that, you know, we were talking about the story. I was saying, oh, he wants to go see Big Ben and the Eiffel Tower. And she goes, why can't you? And I said, oh, because, you know, we have the office and I need to like at least schedule out like two, three months in advance. And she goes, Sheldon, why can't you? And I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. And that night I bought three tickets to fly into London. And then we took the train because my son was in a huge trains from London to Paris. We went to go to the Eiffel Tower and then we flew back and it was incredible. Our children grow up so fast. Mm. We know we create these amazing stories and experiences for our patients, but I wasn't good about doing it for my kids. And now I realize my why has changed or at least it's gotten into more focus. And so that's why, I mean, we do what we do for our families. So we need to spend as much time with them because, you know, I just turned 45. My son is 11 and he's just finishing sixth grade. I'm only cool for about four more years. (laughs) If that right? If that. If that. (laughs) And then he's going to go off and do his own thing and want to hang out with his friends and, you know, and create his own stories, right? And so we make it a point every year to travel as much as we can. And so last year, you know, I grew up in Florida and in Florida, my parents could only afford Epcot with the Disney passes that Mm. you, you had the annual Disney pass. So they would get that every year, every break, we would go drive up to Epcot. We'd stay at a day's in, but we'd always go see the world pavilion which was a remake of the World Fair. And I always told myself when I was little, I was like, dude, I want to go to the World Fair. How cool would that be? And last year, I think January, I found out that the World Fair was in Dubai. And <laughs> as soon as I found out that the World Fair was in Dubai, I booked tickets to go to Dubai and to go to the World Fair. We stayed at the Atlantis and my kids had an incredible, incredible time. 
So we saw the real awesome. life world pavilion. Yeah, so what's at it like? Fair. It's a smorkis board of all the countries in the world kind of showcasing their best events. It's a really, really cool experience. So it's much better than the Epcot version. I don't know. Disneyfication has its magic. So, <laughs> I, you know, it was different, but it was just a larger version of that. Oh, well. so cool. Well, Sheldon, before we wrap it up here, we do have a party to join. I believe they're having an old Hollywood party tonight, award ceremony or something along those lines. I'm sure you'll be receiving an award. Or maybe they'll want me to sing my song. Worst bracket placer. (laughs) (laughs) Or the best orthodontic rapper out there. Oh, okay. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. (laughs) Any upcoming uh, other speaking engagements? Are you going to be an angry orthodontist in the back of the room? What's going on with your life? You'll have to show cases. If you want to turn me on, I'm a tooth nerd and I love my x-rays and I love my beautiful photography to share your knowledge. Um, I don't have anything on the calendar yet, but I'm sure, you know, as soon as I do, I'll be letting the world know. And, and it wouldn't be a Sheldon Salins podcast without you giving out your cell phone number. You know, if anybody needs to contact me, brothers and sisters, please feel free. 310-709-8180. We are all going through our own journeys and our own stories are being created. Very true. But we need to share our knowledge, not only with our cases, but with our personal lives, because you can't bottle everything in because it'll manifest in our bodies a different way. And we have to only bring positive energy into our lives to be able to give positive energy back to our patients and our families. So, so well said. Are you tearing up a little bit? I always get a little crying, tear oh. Yeah, But, you know, I've experienced a lot of loss that shouldn't have happened. And I want to make sure under my watch that, you know, that all our brothers and sisters know that somebody's there to listen, regardless of the day or time. Uh, you're amazing, Sheldon. We all thank you for everything you do for our profession. No, so. but thank you for what you do, Seth. You know, this is an amazing way to connect with our brothers and sisters. Let us know that we're united. We're not alone. Yep. And everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. On that note, sir. All right. Cheers, brother. Cheers. Blessed to be on this podcast. Thank you for having me. No, no. It's been an honor. Come here. Let's clink them. That's all for this episode of the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. If you're a fan of the show, be sure to subscribe or follow Illuminate on your favorite podcast app. Also, I'd appreciate if you could rate our show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. A very special thanks to our sponsors for this episode. That's 3M Oral Care and Dental Monitoring. As always, this podcast would not be possible without the Illuminate team. That's Skylar Adler, joined by Johnny Mitchell behind the boards, and Tom O'Grady on the Fender Rhodes electric piano. Thanks so much for listening to the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. To hear exclusive outtakes, suggest a guest, or sponsor an episode, head over to IlluminateOrthoPodcast.com. Until next time, this is Dr. Chris Seta signing off. But wait, there's more. If you've listened this far, you just found our hidden bonus content and outtakes. Uh, We're going to be talking a little bit about Light Force, of course. 
Uh, we're going to talk about travel and some fun stuff. Uh, and what else are we talking about here? I lost my train of thought because I'm reading my scribbly notes. <laughs> uh, oh, we'll talk about the bow tie. Got to talk about the bow tie. And we're going to talk about your signature bow tie and, and what that's all about. Do you have a favorite one? I do. I do. I've, I, my, I have, my daughter has her favorite, and my son and my wife has her, their favorites, and then I have a few favorites. So, <laughs> we, you know, even though I have 150, I probably go through maybe uh, 30 or 40 pretty regularly. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know where we're going from here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. Yeah, this, is, this is what I told you. No script. We're just going to talk about bow ties for <laughs> half the podcast. We can do that, dude. I'll teach her. If, you know, if we could do a YouTube video with this, I'll teach your listeners how to do how to tie it. It'd be great. You want to pause? here or keep going for a while um let's pause okay so what happened was at in this story um the cow and the squirrel were saving the world from the evil the evil let's call it the okay one second what was it evil you don't remember your own stories no so <laughs> were, uh, the cow and the squirrel were saving the world from the evil queen coco mm. 